So growing up, my brothers and I, if we ever asked our parents for, and I don't know if you can chime in on this, George, but um, if we ever asked for brand name things like uh, Nike or Levi's, you know, mm-hmm. I'm talking middle school. Um, my mom would always say, well, our last name is Youngman, not Rockefeller. And uh, if we wanted to buy that stuff, we had to buy it with our paper route money. Or after we got you know, our first jobs, we would have to buy the brand names on our own. We weren't allowed to, you know, my, the money was for, you know, her cigarettes and uh, such. So right. uh, <laughs> we couldn't get the brand. It was for Marlboro and right. Virginia Slims, right. not Nike. And So uh, if I ever yeah. ended up going to local favorites like the Shed House or Old West to get my Levi's or wanted to get Levi's, I could never go there. I would go there with friends and they would buy, you know, painter pants and, you know, the nice yeah. Levi's jeans. But I would end up having to go to JCPenney and buy a brand called Plain Pockets, which was uh, the the the, uh, the brand of the, the poor kids kids in Brighton. Mm-hmm. And uh, also if I wanted Nikes, we would buy tough the skins. tough skins. Uh, yeah. That was Sears. Yeah. Um, zips. Uh, zips. That was, uh, there was oh, a all you tears. could run faster when you right. wore if zips. You had the, Every if you time. had the zips on. But if I wanted Nikes, they had knockoff Nikes at a place called Star Market, a grocery store, and the swoosh was upside down. And uh, yes. that was just, it was just like being tagged uh, a loser to have that up down. <laughs> there was, was a Mikey's with an M. Swoosh. Yeah, right. <laughs> Mikey's shoes. <laughs> these are great. I love these. But did you have that issue or did your parents, you, got, you were pretty uh, uh, pretty fancy over I there. Don't, I don't think I was that fancy. Um, did um, you have the Levi's? I, I did. No, Nike? I did. I uh, know I did have Levi's. Lots of Levi's. Yeah. Uh, no, not really any Nike. And you know, my mom would buy me these like weird brands, like like Gant, the velour Gant. shirts. Yeah, yeah. Gant. Like so, I, I went through this. That's velour, comfortable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I went through this highly flammable velour shirt phase. (laughs) Stay um, stay away from open flame. Yeah, that was just, I don't know what it was about. It's like, yeah, so it was was a lot of that, a lot of velour. Then we got out of it, and I I liked a nice polo shirt, but it was never like Ralph Lauren polo. No, me either. Hunt Club I had. Yeah, exactly. Like regular polo shirt. Same thing. This is just as good as a polo shirt. Yeah. But you're not understanding. Yeah. You go to school and you get shredded if you're wearing the off- yeah, but brand. We, I don't know. I don't remember people bullying oh, us that I, I mean, much I didn't get about bullied, it. but I got made fun of. Like, oh, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. you're, you know, we're not going to talk to you or you're not our friend anymore. Right. But the, the kids notice it right away. Well, the one time I got made fun of and 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 uh, and we'll talk about this later in the show with my my crazy style. When no one's around to help me, I kind of go rogue. Mm. Do you remember that that Ron John surf shop? Yes. That was over on Alexander course, over yeah. in Rochester. Yeah. I bought literally those jams oh did you the hawaiian pants i never jammed that were and they and they like rose up to mid-calf oh so i looked like some bad emporio right. armani ad from like 1985 right. beachcomber yeah. yeah so i wore those jams bright yellow with big flowers on them i got demolished at school yeah what, how old were you oh god it was uh I was what sophomore fresh no sophomore year sophomore year high school yeah it was high school God I high remember school, you wearing year. that I would have said something too oh I'm I'm sure you did maybe it was so horrible you blocked I it know. out I had a lot horrible. of zingers I, there's so many I can't remember <laughs> yeah I yeah. got I got demolished there was I had no no style no stylist which I needed desperately yeah. back then yeah bad I don't know I, it, it's I, th- I felt it was a good lead in for your guest today also it, we're talking about your guest yep. in 1988 I was a part of a Levi's commercial campaign i you was were. i was filmed yeah i used to uh, work in an executive ymca in pittsburgh back when i was in school there okay and uh they had all the you know the the big people like lawyers and you sure. know uh advertising people and there was one guy who came in and he's like he's like you should be in commercials and i'm like oh wow how are you really? saying he was gay yeah he was gay okay um and yeah. uh he 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 got me in some giant eagle commercials was a local grocery chain there okay. and then he he scored this thing through uh through levi's where they're doing a, a 501 blues uh ad campaign oh, do you yeah, remember yeah, those yeah of course and of course. they were going to film one in pittsburgh and so it was myself and like four other people but they didn't film it in pittsburgh they ended up taking us all down to baton rouge louisiana they filmed it i was shirtless george in jeans <laughs> me and the other guys not the girl there was a girl right thank you there was a girl with a uh, like a wife beater on and uh-huh. uh she was the main focus but, of only, the the guy, but only the guys all the guys were shirtless, shirtless. this thing uh-huh. never aired i don't even know what happened to it <laughs> And I'm pretty oh, sure the director was just watches it on a Saturday yeah. night to relax. <laughs> Still to this day. Wow. I wonder where he is. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, who do you got today, George? Tell the people. Um, we uh, honestly were very humbled and honored, speaking of Levi's, to have um, yeah. Kaidi Matsumoto. She is Levi's global brand style director. You can find her on many YouTube videos and in various magazine articles if you Google her. 
Um, she's built an incredible career at Levi's, but before she got there, she's got um, she's got quite a story to tell I us can't about wait to hear how it. she got there. Yeah. And uh, uh, truth uh, truth be told, uh, she's also one of my um, oldest friends. Yeah. So just want to put it out there. Yeah. That, yeah oh, we you're do, so cool. We George. do have a previous relationship, yeah. so uh, there will be a lot of camaraderie on this. Go ahead. This, uh, you two have fun. So I'll just be right over no, here. Well, I, <laughs> but there will be a lot of that. So, um, Kaidi, welcome. Hi, Kaidi. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Hi, guys. Good morning. I'm calling from the West Coast. So yes. It's morning for so, me. Yes. So it's a, it's earlier morning for you, and we, we appreciate that. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to do this. I know you have a lot going on. No, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to Absolutely. talk with you today. So um, I'm thinking before we get to... The, the Levi's that so many people know, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a, the, one of the most popular American brands and a global brand. Um, you know, why don't you start us off wherever you want on your, on your journey to where you are today? Sure. Um, okay. We're going back in time. Yeah. Then. Let's so, go back in time. Um, however far back you want to go. All right. Well, maybe I'll start with, um, my, my fashion journey and my yeah. love of where my love of fashion sort of was born. So I was, the young girl in my early teenage years who collected um, Vogue and ID magazines and would plaster all of the um, editorials in my bedroom um, wall. So I just had, my walls were just covered yeah. with um, images of, you know, the 90s supermodels and Kate Moss. And um, those were my icons of the day. And I love the fashion and I love the storytelling. So that's what really um, drew me, um, to this industry. I didn't really know what I wanted to do from an early age. I just loved fashion. And, you know, I toyed with various things like creative writing and I went to college. I was kind of lost at that time, um, without really, um, any North star. I just sort of, you know, for me at that time, uh, the social aspect was priority and partying and, yeah. and sort of, um, <laughs> that was the most exciting thing for me. Not, um, I wasn't really career focused, but around my junior year, I was like, all right, it's time to buckle down and figure out what I want to do. And that's when I really started to consider fashion as an option. And I went to London and studied abroad for a semester at the American College in London. Mm. And I took a variety of classes at that time um, from, you know, fashion show production to, um, you know, just history classes, fashion history to design classes. And it was a really well-rounded sort of um, taste into the fashion world. And I just fell in love at that time. So that's when I, it's sort of the lightning bolt hit. And I, I, I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, but back then we didn't have the internet really. So I didn't have any way of researching the different career paths. So um, after college, I moved back to um, New York City. I grew up in New Jersey. So yeah. it was, you know, my home, home in a way. And I, I started um, assisting at various um, sort of licensee jobs. I worked for Bill Blast for a little while. I was basically a glorified secretary, um, you know, receptionist at that point. And um, I didn't really at that, still at that point, I'm like, what do I wanna do? You know, what field do I wanna go in? I know this is the industry. And then I remember back in those days, it was WWD that we would always uh, get every day. and. And I was looking through WWD one day and I was looking through the um, wanted section and it was like a, a light shone on this one section that Donna Karen was hiring mm -hmm. and um, uh, the job was uh, to be stationed in Japan. And just a little note to, uh, you know, I'm Japanese. My, my parents are both born and raised. Mm -hmm. So I grew up, um, you know, part of, that was part of my culture and, and going every other summer. And so this really appealed to me because for a long time in my childhood, I, I sort of rejected my Japanese um, background um, because I grew up in a, a very, uh, you know, Caucasian white exclusive town. And so I wanted to be like my friends. And so I didn't embrace my heritage until really later in life. 
And so, um, you know, when I had this job opportunity and, and I interviewed, it was, I, I like felt it in my belly. Like I want this so badly to move okay. back to Japan and to have this opportunity to work for um, Donna Karen. And through uh, many interviews, I, I ended up landing the job. And um, a few months later, I was on my way um, to Tokyo and lived there for two years. Two years in Tokyo. Okay. Yeah. So that was really the entryway into what I did for the next almost 20 years of my career, which was um, visual merchandising and um, working within the 3D store environment space. And so, um, you know, I, I, uh, and that's actually where I ended up meeting George many years down the road was um, at Club Monaco. Yeah. And um, I, you know, became a visual merchandiser. I would do window displays. I uh, um, really created the environment in which um, um, some retailer, many retailers, and I'll, I'll name a few, um, sort of express their identity yep. uh, through the, the retail space. Yeah. And at Club Monica, we, we, especially in the early days, we had a lot of free reign there. I mean, it was kind of nice. Did. It was a, I don't know that we, I don't know that we really took, creative company. Yeah. I don't know that we took full advantage of that other than, you know, yeah. going to fun lunches and our trip to Miami. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, one of the jobs that we had, George, which I'll never forget was we would open stores. Yeah. And so, you know, I was the visual lead. And then at that point you were, um, you know, in charge of retail. And so it was sort of the operational side and the creative side together, hand in hand. Yep. And so we were like the ones um, at the helm, really opening stores. Absolutely. And there was a lot of synergy. I mean, there's a lot today that I wouldn't know had you and I not worked together. You taught me a lot. You really did. Yeah, you taught me a lot as well. Yeah. I enjoyed, um, you know, you're such an incredible um, business mind, but you in, inject a lot of creativity in the way that you think you're truly entrepreneurial. So, um, I got so much um, energy from just talking to you and, and ideating with you. And I think that's something that we've always connected on is Absolutely. Um, the love of sort of like brainstorming new um, ventures and, and ideas. That's great so, that you can both um, piggyback yeah. off of each other. The yeah. ideas and yeah. what what you both do for like George was a retail side. You were more of the visual. That's great. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's something we've always shared. Absolutely. Even, even, even to today. So after New York, you made, I remember, I remember it well when you made the, uh, the trek to the West coast. Yeah. I mean, I've always been someone that, um, takes big risks when I feel unsatisfied or something's calling me. And, you know, I'd been in New York for, at that point, um, almost eight years after I'd moved back from Tokyo and, um, you know, I was living in Brooklyn at the time. Yep. I was working at Club Monaco and I'd started interviewing at various companies. I had actually had some job offers on the West Coast, but they weren't right. It was ba- the, the first job offer that I had was based in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't ready quite yet at that point to move to the Bay Area. I wanted um, L.A. felt more my speed. So I, sure. I sort of targeted L.A. as a place that I wanted to be. And um an old uh, boss of mine um, from Club Monaco, his name was is Renee. Uh, he brought me on um, at to Lucky Brand, where he was the creative director, mm-hmm. and he brought me on as the um, the visual director there and moved me out to LA. I remember that. I remember that. I remember when you left, and then I remember with, there were a lot of lot of fun times in LA, though. You. So much fun. I mean, I feel like the world just opened up to me at that point. Um, Being an East Coaster uh, my whole life, I didn't really know the West Coast lifestyle. And to go from, you know, sloshing around in the snow and, and, you know, in the springtime, the heavy rains and, um, you know, just, I always said being able to only carry my groceries with two hands. I, I switched gears to, um, you know, this just glorious, like, you know, year round being able to hike and, um, 
you know, open, you know, landscape um, and just a totally different um, lifestyle than what I was used to. So moving to L.A. really just just blew my mind in, on so many levels and um, really was a, a big shift um, mentally for me as well. Oh, yeah. And what, what I like is that you're you're what, what I love. One of the many things I love about you is that you're you're just you take risks, but you also have this innate ability to just kind of adapt, but do it in a very authentic way. Like, you know, some people go to L.A. I mean, we all know them, whether it's L.A. or other cities. Like, it, it, It's almost like the people that move to London and have an accent in three months. <laughs> it, it just drives me out. It's like, you know, I mean, it's like, yeah. wait, where did that come That's from? The worst. I was there for two years. I, I never came back yeah. with it. I, 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 I would have know. murdered you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would have been dead. So it's like, so I, my first time going to visit Heidi in L.A., it's like we go to this, she had this cool bungalow in Silver Lake, and it was just... It, it was just this net, you know, because Kaidi just has an innate sense of style. Okay. But it wasn't, it was still her style, but it fit in with the culture and the times of LA. And it's like, instead of wearing boots, it was all about cool hats, you know, yeah. sun hats and sunglasses <laughs> and accessories and all that. But it wasn't fake. It was real. And yeah. I think that's one of the many things that's made her so su so successful is that it was just, you just had this very authentic way about you wherever you were when we would take trips or or, or, or when you would make moves, um, you just had this authentic way about you. And I think that's why you got so much out of everywhere that you've lived. I, I, would you say that's, you. that's fair? That's fair to say? Uh, yeah, I think I'm, I'm one of those people that when I get into something, I really throw myself into it. I'm, I'm quite passionate. So um, for me, L.A. was such a, a huge life change. And I really just sort of drank the Kool-Aid and the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I, I go a hundred percent when I, when I'm into something and, and that for me, you know, one of the reasons why I left and left New York, it was right after nine 11. Yep. I think, um, that affected me in, in really deep ways that, um, I didn't really even know myself at the time. I think there was a lot of trauma involved there. I mean, George for and sure. I went through it together. Um, we were, we were there, you yeah. know, during nine eleven, we and we right saw there. a yeah. lot of it happen. And so, you know, I I moved from New York almost a year after that. Yeah. And I think, uh, for me, LA represented a, a, a new start. Not that I was running away from New York, but it was a time for me to sort of process what I went through, what we all went through collectively, and then um, sort of turn it into um, a positive new lifestyle for myself so I could do good things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, yeah. and, and you did great things in LA and then, um, depending on, on, um, you know, we, we can go high level or a little bit deeper. Let's talk about post LA yeah. because you took a really amazing journey that I think I, I wish more people, including myself had done what you did after that, because you got to a point with your, with your work and you were like, I, some, I, I'll let you tell the story, but yeah. I, I just wish that yeah. that more people had done what you did. So I'd love to. I'd love. Well, I think we all experience this at some point in our life. I think you had mentioned to me Todd went through something similar in his forties, yep. where you know you we're we kind of are on this track, and we think that this is what we're supposed to be doing, right. and we're doing it well, and we start to climb up the ladder, and we're like, and then you look back, and you're like. I don't even like this. Who have I become? You know, Bingo. and that was that moment for me when I was my boss, Renee, I remember I was, I had a, I was in my review and, you know, he was the vice president of creative at the time. And he was sort of like, you're doing a great job. You know, next step is, is sort of, you know, my role. And I kind of thought to myself and looked at him, I don't want your role. Like you're miserable, you're working your ass off, you're yep. unhealthy, you know, and I just didn't admire, maybe it was how he was handling it, but I just didn't, it, it wasn't what the path that I wanted for myself. Right. And so at that point I was like, what is the next step for me? And I, I had no reservations about switching gears at that point. I, I sort of had had it and, um, yep. I was like, it's time for a change. It's time to figure out what my next steps are. And so I, I, I strategized a plan um, to take all my savings, 
um, and quit my job and travel for a year, which I, I did, I kind of started planning my route and it took about a year to plan, but I, I, I planned a trip around the world. Right. Mm. Yeah. So, um, that was, you know, for me, this, this big turning point, I was 36 at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was like, I had the world ahead of me and, and I was like, I'm going to go on this big trip. And then when I resigned to my company, they were, they were like, you, you can't leave. And so we negotiated a little deal where I stayed on for an extra three months to help find my replacement, train my replacement. And, um, you know, they gave me a little, little package to stay on, which was I extra that. pocket money yep. for my trip. Yep. And then, um, yeah, I ended up, uh, leaving after that three months. Yep. And what was one of the most, I guess, uh, you traveled a lot. What, what, what was most impactful along that trip? Was there a certain place that had the most impact or were there just bits and pieces you drew from? Well, I think the biggest thing for me was the trip was not as I'd imagined, you know, I mean, you think you're going on this round the world trip and I actually started my trip off at Esalen in Big Sur Mm-hmm. And then I went to um, Morocco after that. And the thing I quickly realized was how lonely it was. Yeah. You know, you have these visions uh, of, you know, just this incredible social community that you're going to develop. And I remember, um, you know, I, I had to get my groove and figure it out. But, you know, I spent a lot of times in, in Internet cafes yep. trying to figure out what my next step was. And so. I was not really enjoying the journey. I was kind of, you know, always planning my next destination. Okay. So that was a big um, lesson for me was, um, you know, I had this year to kind of figure stuff out. And the first, I would say third of that year, uh, it was really lonely. It was hard. It was me getting my bearings straight. It was figuring it out. And then what I, I quickly um, you know, I think it was in Thailand. I was like, all right, it's time to like buckle down and like figure out, I want to learn stuff. I want to keep educating myself. And so what I decided to do is everywhere, uh, I went, I I took a class. So I took a meditation class in, in Nepal. I, um, took a weaving class in, uh, Laos. I, um, I actually really got into like textile weaving and um, dyeing uh, fabrics. And so I took several classes related to that. Um, I took cooking classes. So I just started, you know, learning um, things that interested me along my journey. Wow. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and again, I don't think many people do that. They just go and, and many people, if they felt lonely, you know what, they would have turned around. They just would have said, okay, I'll just go back to where I'm comfortable. But you kept, you kept pushing. Maybe. Yeah. But I feel like this younger generation now, yes. they're all about experiences. So yep. in a way, I mean, maybe I, I am have a young spirit. I feel like when I look at some of these younger, you know, millennials and, and younger kids, I'm like, they're doing what I dreamed of doing. You know, they're going on these experiential yep. trips and, you know, really some uh, like, submerging themselves in a culture and learning, um, which, which really is inspiring. Yeah, they are. The one, the one advantage they have though, is that they usually are going with a remote work type of situation or they're blogging. I mean, social media wasn't what it wasn't anything when you were doing what you were doing. So there was a lot of other, that's where, you know, it was all about internet cafes because not a lot of yeah. places had internet yeah. and blogs weren't it's a so thing true. yet and Facebook wasn't a thing yet. So there wasn't this other community that could make you feel less alone. So in a way, that's you so were kind of you were kind of pioneering that. Yeah, that was that's very true. I mean, we didn't have um, all of that. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not naturally an introvert extroverted person i am more introverted i i would right. think when i travel that's another thing that i realized yeah. um you know in my normal day-to-day life in los angeles i was very social but what i realized was a lot of that was 
fueled by alcohol and booze, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, uh, once I, I, you know, one of the things that I did on my journey was I, I, I cut back heavily on drinking. Yeah. And so I became much more introspective. Um, and you know, the normal crutches that I had, like going out to a bar and meeting people, you know, I, 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 that didn't exist for me. So, right. you know, I, I just, the the ways I met people were through like craft and and other social means. Yeah. So you're taking this journey. You eventually head back to the states. What what led up to what was the what led to what led to Levi's? What was that pivot point where it's like this is the this is why I want to go to San Francisco and join this company because it's it's. Well, it, you, you there's were, actually you, a, a big chunk of time in, right. after I came back from my, my trip, right, which, which I was, uh, I'd love to hear. I was in a relationship yep. and, uh, I, I met someone actually right prior to, um, going on my trip. And so we decided to move back to New York together yep. to upstate New York. And yep. that was, um, a incredible growth and learning period for me. It was a really hard relationship in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, we were extremely isolated and, um, you know, we, we did fight a lot, but we had this wonderful, um, enriching relationship where, you know, my ex was a, a, a big, uh, meditation practitioner. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, I really, really feel like he was such a teacher to me in a lot of ways and taught me the kind of relationship I didn't want to be in, but also how to be patient. And, um, you know, I, 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 he's still a dear friend of mine because we went through so many hard times and growth together. Um, but it, it was, it was a really, really hard time. It was two years of a hard sure. time in upstate New York. <laughs> yeah. No. And, I- um, you remember that, right, yeah. George? Yeah, we we I I came up to visit a few times. Were yeah. they fighting? So at no. that time no? okay. in my career, I was freelancing. Yep. And um, you know, I I drive into the city from upstate and you know work on various uh, consulting projects, and I was still trying to find my footing at that point. I was I was tr- I was like, do I really want to go back into corporate? Do I want to continue freelancing? And where I landed was, you know, I need to still, I still have some work I need to do on myself. Got it. And so after that two year period of freelancing, when my ex and I broke up, um, I went and lived at a meditation center in New Mexico for a year. Wow. Yeah. And so that was a real, that's a, was a huge pivot point for me where I really, um, you know, I, I was came out of a, a failed relationship and um, I, I, it was this aha moment at that point I was 39 years old and I was like, man, I've got to figure my shit out. I've <laughs> got to figure out what kind of relationship I want to be in. I want to, you know, stop choosing certain, like falling into the same patterns. Right. So I, I basically lived at a meditation center. I worked as a, a resident and um supported a community and it was a magical magical time yeah you loved it um, i remember that the, the I, times we talked uh, you, you could feel it you loved it yeah it was it was such a a wonderful time i mean as hard of a time as i was going through because you know i'd come out of this failed relationship and was heartbroken i i was supported by this incredible spiritual community and i had this quiet time to really focus on my own growth and all these incredible um dharma teachers were coming um to the center and giving workshops and um retreats and i got to sit in on all of them so they were absolutely it was it was a magical time yeah i do i do remember that so you stayed, I think, a little bit over a year, right? And then yeah, it was about fourteen months. Yep. And that's during that time, yep. I was, I was, it was the quiet and and, um, you know, just being able to kind of clear away all the noise. And that's when I I I came to the conclusion that you know this industry I love so much because I found myself, you know, I was at this retreat center, but then I would go back into my room and I would 
be, you know, following all these designers and reading all these blogs. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I loved the, I love fashion. I love the expressive nature of style and how one dresses and how it can make you feel a certain way. And so I was really drawn to, I've always been drawn to that and the fantasy and the storytelling aspect of that. And so I, I concluded, I'm like, this is the industry that I want. Is this the job that I want? Maybe not, but let's explore. So, so I already had relationships at Levi's. Yep. Um, I interviewed there. I got a job as, um, again, in visual merchandising and, um, did that for, um, about two or three years, I think it was. And during my time there, again, that feeling of, I don't know, this isn't the right job for me kept coming up. And I saw a a white space at Levi's and I felt like I could fill it. And so at that point I pitched this idea to my boss of um, being the internal brand style director. And, you know, I was doing a lot of the work already. So I, I, I had proven myself in a lot of ways. And um, he and I worked on the, the pitch together and crafted. Um, so you did the job description, everything. You created this we did job. Everything. Wow. We, we created this okay. job out of scratch and At um, a huge company. Yeah, it was wow. it was a it was a, a big undertaking. And but it was also, you know, it, it has been the most rewarding um, sort of thing I've done in my career to date is building this team and building this department at Levi's. And now it's been, it was uh, 2014. So it's been almost six years of, of um, developing the, the look and feel and establishing the department and, and crafting sort of what the, um, the sort of style point of view is at Levi's. Right. And this required you and the team would travel and you, this would be for their, global campaigns, correct? So you would style these yeah. global campaigns and you'd work we with different models. Everything. And Todd, I, funny enough, you were mentioning the global commercial you were in. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we work on, um, I we work on all the commercials. Um, I work on all the campaigns. Uh, we kind of have our hands in a little bit of everything that is content related and it's evolving, which is really exciting. I'm learning yeah. new things constantly. Um, and uh, that's the most I, I like change a lot and I like, um, you know, to drive a lot of change. And so it's the perfect job for me because, you know, we're constantly evolving with new technology, new, you know, what this again, I'm mentioning, you know, this younger generation a lot. But I'm so inspired by them because it's so what they're doing is so innovative and it's so different from um, you know, what I grew up with in retail. Right. Yeah. So you're saying you show, you actually show up to photo shoots and commercial shoots or no, do you not do that? No, we, um, I do. I, I've been involved in all the, uh, commercial production since, um, 2014. And then, um, we also do our campaigns as well. So if you were around in 88, we could have met on the set down in <laughs> Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and maybe you can get your hands on that, uh, that commercial. I'd love to see it. it oh my uh, God. I have yeah, a feeling I mean, it's in the I'm wrong hands. I'm going to try to find it. Please. She will. She'll try to Please. find it. it. was, it was shot in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in 1988, uh, like fallish. And I'd love to see okay. it. And it was the 501 blues. The 501. Remember the campaign? Yes. Campa- it was yeah. huge. It was a huge campaign. Is it camp- the one with Bruce Willis? No, there's nobody famous. These are all people. Like I was there for school in Pittsburgh and the, it was me, four other guys and a female that went down to Baton Rouge <laughs> and we filmed this. Now, really? I, yes. Please. I, I'd oh love, my God. If you could find it, you'd be I'm my hero. I'd, I'd love to see it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. There, there was a series, that I, maybe I think, um, you know, we actually made a lot of act like, Bruce Willis was in one of our ads. Brad Pitt, before he was ever in anything, was in one of our ads as oh, well. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's right. That's when like Brad yeah. Pitt was also like, he he was a guest spot on Dallas. You know, that soap opera. I, I oh, didn't, yeah, I was didn't, re- I didn't, I didn't really that. watch it a lot. But no. um, anyway. You yeah. like the Brad Pitt. Yeah, he was, yeah. you know, yeah. All right. yeah, you know yeah. Blonde, blonde had its moment. It was okay. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, I've taken so many notes just, just and, and, and a, a few things for, 
for for uh, the team out there that's listening. It's like in this role now, you're driving a lot of change. But what I love is that you saw this white space, which I don't think, again, many people don't realize that they you saw this white space and you you worked with somebody as opposed to trying to do it solo to try to fill it and created this great position for yourself. What what would you tell because fashion right now is in a very difficult place. What would you tell somebody that wants to go in your direction, but they're in, you know, they're in, they're in their twenties, they're starting out and ultimately they want to be in a creative role, maybe a creative director or, you know, in your world. Are, is there anything you could tell them now while they're starting out in their mid twenties? Yeah. I mean, uh, what I would say is it's never too late. I mean, I was 40 yep. when I, uh, you know, sort of pitched this idea. Yep. I was I mean, actually 42. So, you know, I'd been doing something else, another career in the industry for many years. Um, so what I would say is if it's something that you love to do and you feel strongly that this is the right path for you, then, you know, take those risks, take a pay cut, you yep. know, do what makes you happy. You know, I think uh, so many people, that's what the, the, you know, the hamster wheel that we get caught up in is, you know, I'm at this certain point, I, I can't step away. But in the end, if it's something that you're passionate about, it will pay off. I truly believe that it may, you know, you may have to take a pay cut initially, yep. but you will find your footing and you'll find your way. And it's most important, I think, to be truly happy and fulfilled in what you do. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. It's yeah. not all about the money up front. It's that's, you know, the, the, and you taught me this more than anybody. It's just that whether it's in work or in life, it's like, it just takes time. You don't want to rush it. Why rush it? Why exactly. speed through things? It's like things take exactly. time. And, uh, and it's never too late. I think right? that's the thing no, too, to, to switch all. careers. If you've been, you know, working at Apple for, you know, the yep. first 10 years of your career, but you've always wanted to get into, I don't know, holistic medicine or whatever it may <laughs> yep. be like, you know, you can, it's not too late to change, um, you know, paths and, you know, we've got our whole lives ahead of us. It's, it's just much more fulfilling. I think it, it's, you know, so many of us from an early age were fed what we're supposed to be doing from relationships, totally. you know, we're supposed to be married at a certain age or, <laughs> yep. you know, you know, our job careers, you're supposed to be a doctor or a lawyer, you know, all these things. And oftentimes we just do it because it's what is expected of us. Right. And then we find ourselves in our thirties or in our forties, like how, what how did hell? I even get here? Yeah, right. You know, and, and, um, I think it's those big aha moments, you know, they come to us in various ways. For me, that aha moment was at, I was at the Hollywood Bowl at a Radiohead concert. I, I'll never forget. I just, it was like the clouds open and I was like, I don't want to be doing this anymore. Right. You know, I don't like this job. I don't want to be doing it 10 years from now. So, you know, I took a lot of um, risks and, and, you know, my parents were probably like, what the hell is she doing? She's traveling and using all her savings to travel, but I needed that headspace. I needed to step away to show that I, I could stand on my own and that my identity, which was so tied to that person, that role and that job, it wasn't who I was. That, right. that was another thing I had to um, untangle was that identity and that connection. And I, I feel it very much right now, which is, uh, you know, uh, as I'm saying it, I'm like, I'm very, very much connected to being the Levi style director. So oh, I think sure that's just are. a note to myself, like something I need to, you know, work on. <laughs> right. I mean, we're, uh, yes, we're constantly working on things, but, but you did a lot of the she hard sure work. Did. You yeah. did the hard work. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, talk about a pay cut. It's like, no, I just worked. I worked. I wanted to leave. I stayed next to three months for the extra money. And you use that money to pursue what you needed to do for yourself. And it's a scary thing to do. And it's again, it's one of those things that I wish more people would do. Just work a little bit extra harder or fi find a way to you know get a little extra cash. It's not always easy. It, you might have to delay it a little bit. But eventually when you have it, then you go do it. Then you take those risks. You take whether whether it's travel, whether it's starting something completely different, a new business, and and you do what you can to to again evolve yourself and build yourself internally. And I just wish more people would do that because 
That's really what you've done. And so, yes, there's always going to be work, but you've done a lot of the hard work already. And let's be honest, you're in a great position now. You know, you feel connected with the work that you're doing. You're impacting an an entire company. And through that, you're impacting, you know, I don't think it's too too far to say you're impacting a generation around the globe. It's such it's such an impactful brand. Um, and what you do, I think impacts a lot of, it affects a lot of people. It really does. That's, that's right. I'm, I'm more than anything. I'm so proud to be working at Levi's. It's such an incredible company on so many levels. The leadership team there is, is, you know, through this year, especially how they're leading and our CEO is, is, is incredible. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly proud to be working there and I've learned so much and, um, the other thing is, you know, it's a, it's a kind company. Yes. That's what I real that really That's resonates with me. The people there are kind. The culture is very kind. Um, and it, it's not without its frustrations. I mean, every company has its frustrations. I, I have to every remind office, myself. But, every office has dust in the corner. Mm, yeah, I like exactly. That. But I think, um, you know, the culture and the fact that I feel like we're all in this together, you know, me and my teammates, um, that is what drives so many of us. And um, uh, I was going to say something, but of course, I I totally escaped me. No, that's okay. I'll think of it. I was going to say you're going through this right now, and I think you've already answered the question. But I was just going to say, what advice would you give to other people, whether they're fashion executives of other big companies, without giving away secrets, of course, what like from what you've just gone through the last year and how you just describe things, like what type of advice could you give to people that are still in fashion? It's still very risky for some people. And I do think that there are some leaders in fashion that still aren't, aren't getting it. You know, they're maybe they haven't been as adaptive. Um, I don't know if you just have any, if there was a smaller fashion company out there, what would you, what could you tell them? I mean, the thing that I would say is just listen to everyone, just listen and listen to, all levels, you know, I think I came from this, um, you know, as I was kind of coming up the ranks, there was this hierarchy, Yeah. you know, and it was the, the senior creative person, it's all their voice and what we're doing for them. And I feel Mm -hmm. like now it's a more inclusive environment. Like I'm pulling ideas and inspiration from like my junior stylists, like all the people that are just come, I want to hear from them. I, I, I value what they have to say. And I think um, for me as a leader, that's really important is to include others. And I think it's this, you know, this reverse um, bottoms up approach versus this top down, which is yep. what I was used to. Right. No, yeah. absolutely. And I think there's a lot of companies that need to, um, that need to make that change. There, there's no question about it. I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, sure. uh, how many years have you been with Levi's? Ten years. Ten years. How this are you? Are you really year. up on the history of Levi's? I'm not one of the fanatic. I mean, I have people on my team and who I work <laughs> with that know every little detail. Well, let me so, ask you this, and I could easily ask yeah. Google, but maybe you know. Was it true that Bing Crosby had a tuxedo made out of Levi's? Yes. It's true. Yes. I was wow. thought, that's right. Yeah, I thought somebody told me that. I thought, oh, that's BS. But that's true, huh? Yes. Do you guys yes. have that or does anybody have it? We actually recreated that. So Levi's Vintage Clothing mm-hmm. is a uh, line that recreates so historical cool. pieces from our history, from okay. our past. And so at one point, a few years ago, they recreated the Bing Crosby suit. No, well, look at that. That's so cool. Yeah. I always thought it was uh, I love uh, it. like a, like somebody <laughs> trying to pull my leg. But also, do you guys no, own, is... do you have original Levi's from the 1800s or are they long gone? No, we have a what we call the vault. And um, that is our we have a Levi's historian mm-hmm. who basically so cool. collects archival pieces from, you know, many, many years ago. And so we have in our archives a, I believe it was a gene that was found in a mine from, you know, it was like the oldest gene ever found. That's beyond uh, cool. That is so cool. What's the significance of the rivets? So the rivets are to um, strengthen um, the, the, uh, where the seams, it's another way of um, 
additional way. I'm not explaining this well, but yeah, no. strengthening yep. the denim in pressure points. Yeah. Yep. And you guys own yeah. the you own the patent on that. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I think it's great. My plane yeah. pockets didn't have rivets. Yeah. See, they they, oh, they really? didn't have anything. There's an, it, nothing on the pockets. You know why? They're plain. Right. They were yeah. the plain. Well, I'm, I'm really interested in finding those um, bootleg Mikeys that you found. Oh, yeah. The star market <laughs> back in the 80s. The Mikeys. <laughs> we were styling. Just as long as Sue had her cigarettes, she was happy. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Um, and then, Kaidi, you know, as we wrap up, I'd love to ask this question of, of people that have had amazing oh, yes. careers and journeys. Um, you know, sometimes we have folks that are just starting out, so it doesn't apply to them. But this definitely applies to especially the three of us in this room, I always like to ask, and uh, there's no right answer, but it's, it's literally around um, if uh, someone was going to write your uh, biography, is there any uh -huh. part you would like to rewrite? What would you rewrite? Or maybe there's nothing. Oh gosh, I have so many. I mean, <laughs> the thing, the thing is we all do, right? right? Yeah. As, there's as human beings, we all have things that we have that bring us shame and that we're embarrassed about oh, and sure. we wouldn't be human if if we if we didn't have that so yep. this yeah. has been um this has been terrific and obviously you and i could talk for we could talk all day um there's so thank there's so, so much, much to go for through having but me. thank this you was thank you for being so nice on we loved it too, yeah it was nice to meet you kaidi yeah i'm glad you guys could meet and um yeah, this this was just such a great conversation. So yeah, we've uh, we've been chatting with Kaidi Matsumoto, Levi's Global Brand Style Director, and um, again, you can find her on Instagram. She's got YouTube videos. You even have some. You're, I've got you're, a very limited uh, social presence intentionally. Yep, I understand so that. Knows. But oh, I even, I'm I even, so lucky. I even saw just looking up. You've been in a couple like Indian magazines. What? It's very cool. Oh, have or, like I? denim style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You are. There's an Indian magazine where you're you're oh. featured in it. It's really it's really cool. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really yeah, cool. Yeah, I have traveled for speaking engagements and stuff, so yeah. I will do like seminars and stuff. No, I I love it. I love that she didn't know she was in it. That, yeah, that, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Kaidi's not. <laughs> I did go yeah. to India a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. So. No, I love it. Yeah. But um, Kaidi, honestly, thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy. I know you've got to start your day. Um, so thanks for waking up with us. And um, of course. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was Absolutely. wonderful. Absolutely. Talking to you Thanks, Katie. Yep. We'll chat soon. Thank you. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye. -bye. You know, that was great. And, and, and yep. you know, what I also, um, when you guys were talking about when you, what was the name of the company you first worked together as Club Monaco. Club Monaco. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the atmosphere was like. I don't know what it was like, oh, God. you know, corporate wise. I'm sure it had, it's ugly. Yeah. But I always found like when I had jobs that it, it, if you could surround yourself with good people that you worked with that were on your level, it made it bearable. You know, you could suffer through the, yeah. the bullshit. And if you had good people that you could laugh with, go to two hour lunches and have alcohol like you two probably did. Um, <laughs> we didn't drink at lunch. <laughs> Not much. But I mean, it, just things like that. It, it adds to um, making things a little more palatable. It, it did. And, and you know, we just, you know, our, our. And here you are. What? How many years later? 22, 23 still years friends. later. Yeah, right. still friends. Right. Um, know each other inside and out. And, you know, it all started at this one walkthrough at one of the stores. And we just were bored and we looked at each other and said, let's go. Oh, it was the Chat and Chew. That oh, was the name of okay. it. So let's go to Chat and Chew. And so Chat and Chew is this like hole in the wall. It's one of the places where you didn't want to wear like a sweater because you'd come out smelling like it. Oh, okay. But it was right on, right near coffee shop on uh, 5th and 16th. And we just went there and we had meatloaf and we just bonded. We were there for like two hours. We had like a ridiculously mm. long lunch. We were so meatloaf. stuffed. Yeah, uh, but, but it, it was a good meat. Like it a, was like yeah. you don't normally Gourmet. go and have, you could tell this was the 90s because yeah. who, who nowadays goes and has meatloaf for lunch? Mm. You know, <laughs> there's people. There's people. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, but this was probably really good. Yeah, it was really good. And then it just went from there and we took. We, we had this crazy trip to Miami to open a store. The store opening got delayed. It's like, well, it doesn't make sense to fly all the way back to New York. We might as well just stay in Miami for a week. So, yeah, why not? <laughs> so, you know, we did stuff like that and, that. and that's where we just kind of bonded. But um, anyway, I you know, there were so many good notes out of that. Oh, and, yeah, and, I, and I hope you guys listening, you know, you know, here are here are just a couple. Um you know, you have to, you know, you find what you love. And in Kaidi's case, she just loves, um, you know, with us engaging with each other. We love the art of brainstorming with each other. But but the, some of the big points she made was, you know, she likes to, you know, she likes to take big risks. She likes, you know, it's important to listen to what's calling you. Um, 
you know, when you look at what she did at Levi's for herself, she saw that white space and how many times you see a white space and you know how to fill it. And that could be at a big company, a small company. It could be as an individual, like, like you as a performer, you watched other performers, right? Yeah, yeah and oh, then, absolutely. And then you got you, to. And you saw, but right. And you learned things, but you also probably saw like, Hey, here's where I fit. Right. Here, here's here. You know, I don't need to use F bombs and all that. No. You know, I, and, right. and, and it works for some people, but this is where I'm going to fit. And this is where I'm going to stake my claim. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you, and you much like Heidi also, you, you know, throw yourself into change. It takes time to find your groove, but once you do throw yourself into it, mm-hmm. don't hold back, throw yourself into it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I liked her journey that when she was on this journey, instead of just turning around and being like, God, I'm lonely. She's like, I'm going to learn stuff. So mm-hmm. she'll take a weaving class here, a dying class here, a meditation class here. Um, there's all type, you know, yeah, just you know, to keep the brain going. Right. That's all. And then you're traveling and you're by yourself. When you do these classases, you meet other people and you, they mm-hmm. might not be lifelong friends, but they're moments that you have with somebody that makes your overall experience that much better so yeah and i always feel you can take from anybody you meet you can take either a positive or negative away from somebody so yeah and uh you know and and i think finally uh there you know i think some of those moments she had that how did i get here moment much like what what you had when we talked when Mm -hmm. when we had your show yeah how did i get here moment and then you just kind of untangle your identity and find that connection that really works for you so yeah there were there were just a lot of great things there that i hope you guys got uh got out of this today and more importantly she may find that 501 blues commercial i was a part of that that's going to be huge and if we find that that's we'll put that up for everyone to see because oh, i was hot that will be on our you listen i know i look that, like father time that, now that's but. going up <laughs> that that video is going up on the YouTube channel. Yeah, let's hope she gets immediately, it. Yeah. and we'll do a huge blitz on that. Yeah. Um, blitz. <laughs> so one last thing, folks. Remember one other cool thing that 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 she did that I think many of us don't think to do is like you know what? if you have to take that pay cut and do what makes you happy because if you take that pay cut and get to something that makes you happy, that happiness is going to generate your future success yep. it really is and it, it may sound corny but it totally does so if you put your heart into it yep definitely so that's the story my that's friend. the story say goodbye george goodbye george <laughs>